Episode 2 Changer Hi, Cass here again. Uh, yeah, not not much has changed since last time. We're all still here in the inside. Um, yeah. Oh, I was out on a scouting shift today. Pencil and paper and counting steps. It's a bit old-fashioned, but it does the trick. No compasses, though. Haven't found any yet. Uh, scouting is one of the rules. We divide up the work to keep things organized. There are also mappers, people who try to pull together the information the scouts gather, figure out where we go wrong every time, why no one can get out. They give the completed map sections to the scavengers, who take care of supplies and basics, food, or anything else that might be useful. I think Logan was a scavenger. Today I found a closet full of board games. Proper ones, not just Parcheesi or Snakes and Ladders. We come up with our own games from time to time, or play Hangman, or Kick the Can, but it's not the same as an evening of Catan or Express. I'm actually looking forward to tonight. Even though everyone thought it would be a good idea to put our own stories into this collection, no one wants to be the first. I suppose sitting down in front of a mic and talking about yourself is daunting. Recording for someone else is intimidating enough as it is. Your own story's kind of a different matter. They'll get over it soon, I bet. It's important to keep track to try to look for links as to why and how we're all appearing and disappearing. We've started a daily roll call so that we'll know when someone disappears. I still find it hard to believe that I've been forgetting people. That I have absolutely no memory of Logan or anyone else who's disappeared from the inside. There have to have been others. Seriously, what a joke. Thankfully, Lydia stepped forward as the first one of us to have a story recorded. She's been keeping a journal since her arrival and marked a few passages for me to read. She's the one who came up with the idea of recording everyone's stories during the meeting last week in the first place. She's cool. One of those quiet, supporting types. You know? Gets things done when no one's watching. Gotta give her props for being the first one. There's a note stuck to the front. <laughs> cute. Journal of Lydia Decker, recorded January 21st, 2022. Entry of December 13th, 2021. Dear Cade, I've chosen you as the target of this journal. It's funny how my writing changes depending on who I'm writing to even if I never plan to share. So feel honored, or not. You wouldn't believe the place I've ended up in. Even though my whole world's turned topsy-turvy, I still manage to keep up certain habits. You know, brushing my teeth, washing my face, eating three meals a day, 
The structure they provide is comforting. Journaling provided that sense of grounding before I ended up here. I have no idea if I'll ever see my old notebooks again. They hold the beginning of who I am now. Things have been kind of freaky, and it feels like if I don't keep track of who I am, then no one will. So, in this backwards inside, full of unfamiliar realities, here's a story that's familiar to both of us. Though I don't know that I ever told you all the details. Thank you for not asking. You see, I change. I change with the moon. I become something I'm not. Someone else. I'm not a werewolf. I wish I was. That would be so much easier. So much simpler. At least I'd know what I was. There's heaps of stuff, stories, legends, movies about werewolves. It's not an explained phenomena per se, but... I think I could come to terms with it, make some kind of sense of my life, if that were the case. Not that I think werewolves are real. I mean, I haven't come across any, but meeting everyone here, I wouldn't be that surprised at their existence. Think about it. A werewolf gets to be themselves for a whole month, excluding one night. That's only 12 nights a year lost. Me? I haven't been myself in years. I give up a whole month, every time again. Every time the full moon comes around, I change. Ta-da! 10 out of 10 for ending on a cliffhanger, right? I suppose 4 out of 10, since you already know where this is going. But it's a story I need to have. So pretend this is me, telling you for the first time all over again. Goodness knows I'm more coherent this time around than during my first attempt. Okay, gotta get some sleep. I'll finish tomorrow. Miss you. And Mama and Papa. And Carly. And... Home. Lydia. Entry of December 19th, 2022. Dear Cade, it's been a couple days, but I finally have time to write. We were running low on food, so everyone had to extend their scouting and scavenging shifts. It didn't leave much time for non-essential activities. Thankfully, we managed to find a fully stocked kitchen that wouldn't have been out of place in a Michelin star restaurant, as well as a couple of dorm rooms with mini-fridges. Now, if we could just stumble across a greenhouse, that's probably too close to outdoors for it to appear in the inside. It was June, Sunday the 23rd of June, 2015, the first time it happened. As far as I can recall, nothing noteworthy occurred the night before. I don't really remember the details. I recall kissing my parents goodnight, then telling my sister to stop reading, turn off the lights, and go to sleep. 
When I woke up, Carly was screaming. I thought she'd had a nightmare. She doesn't talk in her sleep or anything, but what else was I supposed to think? Then I realized she was yelling at me. Just sitting there, staring at me, screaming. I told her to calm down, take a few deep breaths. Our door slammed open and our parents rushed in. People's eyes change depending on whom they're looking at. I'd know because I'm used to, was used to seeing my parents' eyes soft, open, kind, the eyes of my mama and papa. Not that day. That morning they looked at me and they were cold, closed, and hard. They asked me who I was, what I was doing in their house, and where Lydia was, where their daughter was. I'm Lydia, I practically sobbed, not understanding the accusations. I'm me. My mom positioned herself between me and Carly, and my dad just stared, unconvinced. What's going on? I squeezed out. As I spoke... I glanced down at my hands, clenched into fists around my blanket, and the words fell away from my mouth, replaced by silence. My hands used to be pale, thin, good at piano. Now they were slightly calloused, tan, crisscrossed with scars. I put my hands to my face, and it felt like trying to pull up a zipper while wearing thick winter gloves. My whole body was like that. I could walk, but it was jerky, felt heavy. I pushed past my parents and found a mirror. Never mind how my parents had looked at me. The eyes that met mine in the glass were hazel green and filled with so much disgust that I looked away. I'd gone to bed a wispy 17-year-old girl and awoken a sturdy young adult who looked like she could probably take a German shepherd in a fight. The rational part of me took over. I gave my date of birth, said my favorite color was the fiery orange of a sunset. I recounted how just last week we'd baked cookies and laughed at a comedy piece on YouTube about traveling. I started talking about how I'd embarrassed myself in fifth grade by walking around all day with split jeans, how I hadn't wanted to go to school again for a week afterwards. They believed me. We kept going. My family pulled together and faced each new day. And maybe everything could have been fine. We would have adjusted and slowly explained things to close friends and family. If only. A month later, it happened again. This time I looked Middle Eastern, with a slight build. Running was easy. I could tell it was a body that liked to run. Changing once. That I could deal with. But changing twice? And then a third time. And then again. And again. P. 
People attach faces to personalities. Strangers treat you differently based on your looks. I've been a girl, a boy, tall, short, young, old, black, Asian, Caucasian, had eczema. I've been sweaty, muscled, weak, had long hair, and been almost bald. None of the bodies I end up in have a history. There's someone who's never existed, then they become me. Or maybe I become them. I don't know. For the past six years, once every month, when I sleep, I shift, and I don't feel a thing. I'll never forget that first morning. Everyone stayed in that day. We were all trying to process, I guess. Now we can laugh about it, at least a little. Carly and I joke about things like me being two-faced, or it being that time of the month. Took a while to get to that point, though. First, it had to sink in that this was permanent. Of course people found out. My parents phoned into school and told them I wouldn't be coming in for a while. They brought me to a doctor. Not that medical professionals knew what to do. (laughs) In sci-fi novels, mutants get tested and tortured, but surprisingly, my basic human rights still applied. There were tests and people in to talk to me. Police, doctors government agents, but I didn't get dragged off to a shady underground lab or anything like that. We managed to mostly keep the media away. After two weeks of worrying, waiting, and doctor's appointments, I decided I wanted my life back. I'd been working on a piece to submit to the local Start of Summer art contest. It's a bucket list item of mine to win a large arts-based contest. I've never told anyone that before. I guess I was embarrassed, or maybe a bit shy about admitting it. Like, if I said it out loud, I would hear myself just how ridiculous the idea was. I've always been a second-place type of girl so gracious in defeat that no one would even believe I ever wanted to win in the first place. I'd been sketching a family enjoying a picnic on a hill. Early spring, a few birds flitted between the twisting branches of the pink dab cherry trees. The drawing was far from complete. The A3 paper still consisted of a patchwork of colors and blank spaces where the pristine fiber was only marred by the smooth, light arcs of a two-age pencil. Guides for the soon-to-be-added bright oil pastels. When I picked the pencil up in my calloused hands, the lines came out rough and jagged. I'd decided to practice on another piece of paper beforehand, as my body now responded in ways I wasn't used to when I attempted even the simplest of tasks. My footsteps felt heavier, or I put too much force into picking up objects. Once, when I tried unloading the dishwasher, I accidentally bumped the plates against the base of the cupboard, and before I could react, they slipped from my fingers and shattered on the floor. Slowly, 
I sketched a section of branch and a few flowers, a test run for one of the blank sections left in my drawing. White, yellow, pink, brown, and blue smudges bloomed on my hands as I worked in the colors. After a half hour, I sat back and rubbed the soft spot at the base of my thumb. I'd snapped two of the oil pastels. The branches looked lifeless, the flowers sickly smears of fake vitality, the sky uneven. I sighed and decided to call it quits for the day. The next morning, I bit the bullet and attempted to complete my final drawing. I was sure that as long as I drew cautiously, I could recreate the soft, lovely look of the rest of my work. With great care, I filled in the blanks as best I could. Since I had little else to do, and what with the deadline only four days away, I spent almost the entire day at my desk, drawing. By the time my parents called me for dinner, I'd completed the branch. The thick, heavy lines stood out starkly against the well-blended trunk, which was one of the first things I'd created when starting the project a few weeks ago. The songbirds more recently drawn looked cruel, as though they'd be more likely to steal the family's meal than sing them sweet songs as they enjoyed the sun and food. My hands ached. The smudgy pastel smushed into my skin, staining my nails and fingertips. I was mocking myself. I'd managed to blend the new additions to my drawing, but it felt... fake. The old sections looked shallow, as though they were lacking depth, and the new regions were their false, funhouse mirror reflections. One of the doctor's clipboards flashed to mind, left open to a sheet comparing my current and past facial features. The doctor had quickly flipped it closed when she saw me staring. In frustration, I ripped the drawing to pieces, sometimes isolating one section from another, sometimes framing the incongruent styles together on one scrap of the thick paper. Then I meticulously reunited the pieces using thin swaths of burgundy, orange, and yellow tissue paper to hold the image together. My fingers ignored the careful planning my mind tried to impose on them and went about their way, shredding and pasting. Shredding and pasting until I was left with a fractured summer day held together in a fiery web of flimsy tissue paper. That was my first win, and the last art contest I ever entered. I finished high school, mostly from home. At first, I tried to go back about life as usual, but it was hard to explain things to my friends, and even harder to watch them struggle with my new reality. Except for you, Cade. It didn't surprise me when you stayed the same. You've always been a part of the family. I think you spent more time at my place than your own growing up. You made our quiet neighborhood a lot more fun. University was easier. Large classes meant I never stood out. It was lonely, but I could focus on my studies. In my sophomore year, I spent a lot of time in online chat rooms. At first, it filled the gap, 
After a couple months, though, I felt more hollowed out and lonely than ever. I quit, cold turkey, when I woke up one morning with hands so small the keys felt awkward under my fingers. My grades got better after that, and for a little while I believed I might find my place by studying. I thought I'd go for a job like freelance writing or graphic design so as not to deal with the difficulties brought about by my monthly change, but my heart wasn't in it. Sometimes people need someone who can disappear. When my body first changed, I lost my ID. Unless I choose to give personal details, I have no history to look up. My face doesn't exist anywhere else. Not online or on social media. Not in newspapers. No fingerprints, either. I dropped out of college and took on a new line of work. On paper, I'm self-employed. Online freelance design. So, I guess those two and a half years at uni still paid off in their own way. Officially, I can't disclose any more information on the subject. I actually shouldn't have even said this much, but at this point, it doesn't seem like it really matters. I stumbled upon my job somewhat by accident. After I quit the chat rooms, I started spending more of my weekends at home, or at yours. It was a familiar bubble, safe and small. Very small. So I made a game. It went something like this. In the months when I looked old enough not to be ID'd, I would find a pub or a bar, hang out, maybe chat with the bartender, or maybe with one of the other solo guests. I would bring up an unconventional topic of conversation, discuss the life cycle of a platypus, ask them what their favorite word was, recite some obscure bit of poetry, things like that. The next time I looked old enough, I would go back and revisit the same places, see if I could find the same people, and then try to guide the conversation back to the same topics. I think I wanted someone to recognize me, to see past my face and realize that the mind thinking the thoughts was the same, even if the voice speaking them wasn't. Still, I was shocked when it happened. Perhaps it's because they work with fantastical stories for a living, but the only person to catch on was an editor. Well, she didn't exactly recognize me, but she believed me when I told the truth after she pressed me for answers, which counts in my book. I'd meant to simply create a situation odd enough that she would let me leave and write me off as a weirdo she could be glad she never had to meet again. But then she believed me. You may have heard of one of the authors she represented, or at least their pen name. Sidney Renoir's work was just starting to top the charts when we met, and it was only a matter of time before someone discovered the true identity of the author of Dream Running. While going to interviews or appearing on talk shows would have boosted sales even more, Renoir wasn't interested. Part of the initial contract with the publisher had been the condition that Renoir's identity should remain a secret. With the first book selling so well, 
it was in the editor's best interest to actively protect the secret so the publisher could maintain the right to produce Renoir's future works. The only thing better than hiding the author's identity was to find someone else to pin that identity on, thereby redirecting the media attention. Bonus points if that person could disappear off the face of the planet overnight. The author was all for it, and a few weeks later, a young man claimed the name of Sidney Renoir. He appeared on a talk show or two, smiled on the pages of newspapers, and expressed his interest in a movie adaptation of Dream Running, as well as his firm desire to keep his private life to himself. He was civil enough not to be rude, and boring enough to still the flood of interview requests. Then he was gone. The job paid well enough, and a few months later, when another opportunity to make use of my situation came along, I seized it. I stopped playing the pub game once my identity, or lack thereof, became my income. I can't say I'm proud of my resume. My work definitely blurred the line on legality. One day, I was careless and got caught. My captors proceeded to hire me, and since then I've been authorized to make mischief. That was two years ago. Now, even when my body changes, this record of the past won't. I suppose that will have to do. Good night, Cade. Lydia. Lydia flagged one last page she wants me to read as well. Entry of January 20th, 2022. Hi, just some last-minute info I wanted to have recorded. I was trying to think of something that might help us figure out why and how we get here, but nothing stands out. The last thing I can remember was arriving overseas for work. I think it was probably around midday, maybe early afternoon. I know I was in a marketplace. I had coffee at one point, it was sunny out and mildly crowded. When I think back, the morning is crisp, but the rest of the day is fuzzy. I keep trying to remember how I got here, or at least what led to me getting here. It's missing. Further than that, well, the why we end up here seems pretty obvious. Everyone here is... special, I guess. There seems to be no pattern in our abilities or anything as far as I can tell. The only undeniable aspect is that something is filtering us out of the world we live in. I don't know if it will help us escape, but perhaps looking for a pattern in our last clear memories can help us tie things together. That's all. Lydia. That's the end of Lydia's writing. At least I can live some semblance of a normal life. Some people's abilities really do seem harder to live with than others. Lydia seems to deal with it well, or at least as well as you could expect. Lydia shifted again a week ago. She warned us it would happen. No one pried. It's kind of an unspoken rule not to ask more about people's personal lives than they offer up. 
we do have a little initiation when people first arrive here. Um, oh, a welcome to the freak club show and tell <laughs> kind of moment. It's a bit of a bonding experience, but it's mainly a safety thing. I mean, you should have some warning if your future bunkmate has a habit of spontaneously combusting in their sleep. True story, by the way. Either way, it's nice to get to know Lydia a bit better through her journal. Following Lydia's example, a few people have started to write things down for me to record, so I guess I'll be recording more often in the future. Kind of looking forward to it. The Inside is an audio drama podcast written by Annika Lee Vroom. This episode was edited by Morgana Bird and Tessa Vroom. It features Annika Lee Vroom as Cassandra Baxter. The Inside is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. For more information or to get in touch, visit ochremoments.com projects.